Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the purposes that you have placed in our lives, for the way that you have shaped us to become like Christ, to have a family together, to follow you in all that we say and do so that our entire lives are lives of worship. Keep us rooted and grounded in your love and send us out to share it with the people around us so that more and more may come to know you and follow your will and purpose for their lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've been going through this uh, series on God's purposes, we last week looked at the first of the five callings that God has for your life. Uh, God has called you to be loved. You were planned for God's pleasure. That's what it means to worship, uh, to, to be loved. Before you do anything else, um, you don't do anything for God. You simply let God love you. You're called to be loved and to give love in return. That's what true worship is, receiving God's love and returning love to him. We love because God first loved us. So this week, we're going to look at God's second calling. You've been called not just to be loved, you've also been called to belong. To belong to God's church, which stretches back to the beginning of time and forward forever in eternity. Romans 6 says, You are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. If you have your little sheet that the usher should have handed out to you, you can follow along. Uh, that, first, that first line there is, I am called to belong to Christ. Now, you're called to belong to his church. The word for church in the Bible is the Greek word ekklesia. It comes from the word kaleo that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which means called. We're talking about five different callings in your life. Ekklesia means you're called out. So the word church literally means the group of people who are called by God. The called out ones. Ekklesia. Called by God. So church isn't an event. It isn't a program. It isn't a building. I mean, if, if you walked downtown and, walk, and asked most people, what do you think church is? They'd probably point at this building. Uh, or they'd think it's something you go to. I'm going to church today. But church is not something you go to. Church is something you belong to and something you are wherever you are. It's not an event or a location. Church is a relationship. We worship in this building, but this building is not the church. The church is the people of God. It's our relationship with each other and with Christ. I'd like to ask John Rathmaker to come up and share something that he brought in the bag. Uh, last week, uh, Craig Sargent brought a calendar and shared how his father-in-law kept track of how many Sundays they had come to worship without, uh, without missing. So, John, uh, what did you bring in the bag today? Uh, when I was asked to uh, talk today about your form of God's family, the first thing that came to mind to me was 
the relationship I've had with my family and going to church each Sunday. Um, so what I brought a bag, in the bag was a picture of, of my family. It was taken, I think, when Eva was here a few summers ago, or uh, falls ago. But um, So church has always been a, a very important role in my family uh, from when I was very young. Um, and this summer, um, in Pastor Hunt's a, a class from Ephesians, um, it, it, the verses from Second uh, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 came to mind. And what that really meant of uh, 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 going to church each Sunday. You know, we're, we're not saved by, by going to church each Sunday, but it's the, the relationship that we, do, we develop here with the believers, I, I think that is important that we gather as a family. Um, when I say family, I mean, I'm not talking about just immediate family, but our extended family, our church family. I think that's very important. But in Ephesians, we read, uh, starting at verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also a member of his household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with Christ himself the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the land. And in him you are, too, being built together to become a dwelling, and God lies, lives by his Spirit. God wants us to gather as a family of believers, uh, whether that's our immediate family or extended family or church family. And he wants us to be together and fellowship together. In verse 21, God, Paul states that God wants us to have a closer relationship with other believers. And that's why I think it's important that we gather here on Sundays, that we're with other believers professing the, the same belief in Jesus Christ. In verse 22, uh, the church is a people uh, or a community whom the Holy Spirit dwells. We know that when we gather here together, the Holy Spirit is with us. When we gather as a family uh, in family gatherings in Jesus' name, we know the Spirit is with us. Uh, there's been many episodes in, in my life that have impacted my family and church life. Um, some of my first memories as a child was being in church. Um, in addition, I had a, a similar to Craig's uh, situation. I had a maternal grandfather that um, when he was confirmed... He committed to going to church each Sunday, and um, it was very important. It took 60 years before he missed a Sunday, and that was only because of a, an act of God. Um, there was a blizzard in the St. Louis area, and he was not able to attend church. He had lined up a snowmobile to take him to church, but there were no churches open in the area to even go to. <laughs> <laughs> um, as Patty and I started dating, um, I probably had more dates with Patty going to church than we had actual dates going out. Uh, um, while we were dating. So that's something that's been important to our family is um, dating uh, and then going to church um, as part of that. And it's been continued since we've been raised in our family. Um, and, and important is also a weekly worship together. Um, I would have to say that some of our closest friends are, are members here in Emmanuel, and I think it's important that people um, gather together uh, with the same beliefs in Jesus Christ. And God's, God wants these types of relationships with our family, with our church family, all together. Thank you. How did you know that that was the next slide? <laughs> yeah, we are called to belong. Um, throughout the Bible, the, the, the church is described with a variety of different images and metaphors. The church is called a temple. The church is called a flock. The church is called a body. The church is called a garden, and the church is called the family of God. Uh, and each one of those has some, some profound implications for our lives. So this first metaphor that, that you already talked about with Ephesians 2, 
is the temple. Uh, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Have you ever walked through a building when it was being built? Uh, you know, thousands, just, just think about all of the different things that went into making this sanctuary a hundred years ago. Uh, thousands and thousands of different pieces are joined together to make a building. Boards and beams, pipes and conduit, sheetrock and paint, shingles and carpet. And during the construction, everything is a mess. There's bits and pieces lying everywhere. But those pieces don't become part of the building until they're joined together. When they're connected, they become part of the whole, supporting one another. That's how God has made us. Not to be disconnected individual pieces, but joined together as one. So, in God's temple, we are supported by others. How does that song go? Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together in love. Yeah. Well, that brings us to another metaphor that Scripture uses for the church. A flock, like a flock of sheep. Riverside Bible Camp's daycare is called Little Flock because that's how God often, how Jesus often described his followers. He said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Psalm 23 describes us being like sheep that a shepherd protects and watches over. Jesus described himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. So in God's flock, we are protected and cared for. The shepherd cares for us, and we care for one another. Now, the Bible also talks about the church as a body, the body of Christ. Um, Two weeks ago, I shared about the outreach team that I was a part of in college, uh, and we called ourselves the members of the body. Uh, and we did that not just because calling ourselves the mob was a cool uh, nickname, uh, but because it described how we came together and uh, how God used all the different gifts that each one of us had uh, for us to be able to go out and lead these lock-ins and worship services and that sort of thing with, with youth. Uh, there were some, of the, some, of the, some people in the group could play piano or could play guitar. Others were really good at leading songs or prayers. Some people were really great at, at uh, playing games with the kids or organizing skits or different things like that. And there were some people who, rather than being the real bold up front people were the ones that would go around to the back side where all of the kids were out at the fringes and you know unnoticed by the rest of the group and had a gift of being able to connect with them god used all the different parts of the body all the different members of the body of christ in that little group that little family to go out and make a difference in the lives of kids that's how he works through us, that uh, each person 
enriches the group with their own unique gifts. So in Christ, in Christ's body, we discover our unique value. We discover our unique value. Just as, as Paul says in chapter 12 of Romans, just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete, for we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each of us needs all of the others. Take a look around you. We need each other. Everyone here has different gifts that God wants to use in special ways to build up his kingdom in our community and in our world. Now, a fourth metaphor or image that the Bible uses for the church is that of a garden or a vineyard. Jesus used that image when he said, A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. Rick Warren says that the fruit of a disciple is another disciple. When we are connected to Christ in God's garden, our lives become fruitful. The Holy Spirit uses us to create faith in the lives of others so that more people come to follow him. Now, one final metaphor that Scripture uses for the church is the one that Jesus used most, the one that John talked about earlier, a family. Uh, so our, our, if worship is the first pur- purpose of your life, receiving God, love from God and showing love back to God in everything that you say and do, then the second purpose of your life is fellowship. God formed you for his family. This has been his plan from the beginning of time. The Bible says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children to share in his glory. God created the entire universe because he wanted a family. In Ephesians, Paul says, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And then he continues in chapter 2, as John said, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You belong to God and you belong to his family. In a healthy family, one of the benefits is that you're taught who you are. You learn your identity. You're not going to learn who you truly are from the world, from your parents, from your peers, or anybody else. You can take a a DNA test to give you, uh, you know, an idea of where your ancestors may have come from in the world, but that doesn't really tell you who you are. Your true identity is found in your relationship with Christ, your relationship with to God's family. We're all concerned about our identity. You know, we, we try to create our identity through the things that we do and acquire. When you meet somebody, what's, what's usually the first thing that you ask them? 
where are you from or what do you do? Uh, you know, because you're, you're trying to get an idea about who they are as a person. So we ask, you know, what, what do you do with your day? What's your career? What's your job? What's your role? So that we can kind of slot them in and say, okay, now I know about this person. I can kind of put them in this box. But we're so much more than that. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people try to base their identity on what the house that they live in or what cars they drive or what brands of clothing they wear. We post pictures of ourselves on Facebook and Instagram to say something about who we are. And of course, the most growing uh, crime these days is identity theft, where people steal and use your personal information for their benefit. The truth is... Most of your identity comes from your relationships, for good or for bad. If you have good relationships, you have a good identity. If you have bad relationships, your identity is a lot more complicated. I'm a grandson, a son, a husband, a father, a small group member, and a pastor. All those relationships define who I am. You know who you are in relationship to other people. So when your relationships are strained or broken, when you experience divorce or the death of a loved one, it's natural to feel disoriented and unsure of who you are. When you lose your job or move to a new place and have to make new friends, it upends your world for a while. Our identity is deeply connected to our relationships. The problem is a lot of people didn't have very good relationships when they were growing up. Some of you would say that your family was dysfunctional or broken or almost non-existent. So how do you know who you really are? Here's the good news. Christ has made you his own He's adopted you into his family. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. You're part of God's family that will last forever. Scripture says that Jesus isn't ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. Have you ever had a brother or sister you were ashamed of? Don't answer that. You may have, but Jesus isn't ashamed to call you his brother or sister, no matter how messed up your life is. Why? Because you're in the family. That's your true identity. You're not defined by your pain, your past, your sins, or your shame. You are a beloved child of the King. Christ has made you his own by suffering and dying and taking away your sins and the sins of the whole world. When we gather for Holy Communion, we remember what he has done for us. We re-experience what he has done. His body broken, his blood poured out for the life of the world. 
The Apostle Paul tells us as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim our Lord's death until He comes again. So come and receive Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit build us together into a temple. Do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. We belong to Him and to each other. When we are connected to Christ, we bear much fruit. We are God's family. Amen.